everybody, and welcome back to the Music Industry 360 Podcast. I'm Vanessa, and today's topic is what is publishing administration? Now, I know about you guys, but I don't know nothing about publishing no music. <laughs> so uh, we're lucky today to have our label and artist coordinator, Patrick, to help us with all of our questions about publishing administration. So welcome, Patrick. Howdy, howdy, Vanessa. I really like what you did with this room. Um, I appreciate you paying attention to my writer on being on this podcast and having six cats roaming around here on the floor. I love it. <laughs> yeah, if you guys hear a random meow, like that's, that's just a cat saying hello. <laughs> All right, so let's get down to the nitty gritty here. So before we get into understanding what publishing administration is, Patrick, can you give us a brief overview of what the term publishing actually means in the recorded music industry? Sure thing. So publishing is going to essentially cover the composition of the work as opposed to the actual audio of the work. So a publisher is almost like a label, uh, except they're going to be exploiting the works the best of their abilities. Uh, And exploiting the works could mean uh, seeking licensing opportunities for those works and getting a split of the royalties or the performance royalties, sync fees, things like that. Exploiting for some reason that term, like, it seems negative. negative. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It seems negative, but really it, 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 it is the proper term for, you know, just doing as much as you can with what you're given to generate as much revenue as possible from as many different opportunities as possible. So, yeah, it, it's weird saying exploit, but it's really what it is. <laughs> so if the songwriter is signed to the publisher, such as like Bruno Mars before he blew up, uh, he was writing songs what, for he people. He exploded. Yeah. Blew up. Like, like physically literally. Blew up. Yeah. Physically blew up. <laughs> Rest in peace. So, <laughs> so Bruno Mars was doing a lot of songwriting before he became a huge, massive pop artist. And so I'm sure he was signed to a publisher at the time doing a lot of songwriting. And then that publisher was seeking out placement opportunities for those compositions. So that way, big name artists that were already established would uh, use those songs. Okay, so a publisher assists songwriters and composers, which are the same thing. Here's yeah. another term. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, there's uh, there's the composition, yeah, which is the actual underlying composition of the work itself. Mm-hmm. Like the actual um, so, like the sheet music? So to speak, yeah. yeah. Even okay. if it's electronic music, mm-hmm. where you wouldn't think of it in terms of like classical music where there's sheet music there it's still a composition there's still melodies there's still a tempo there's still aspects of that song that make it what it is right that can include the lyrics too so the actual composition and so that's what the publishing actually covers is the composition piece so symphonic is considered a publishing administrator so what's the difference in roles between a publisher and a publishing administrator yeah, so what we offer at Symphonic Distribution as a publishing administrator is very, very helpful to indie musicians um, who are songwriters and want to claim their works to be able to collect on publishing royalties. The big difference between an administrator and a publisher is that an administrator is really just going to be taking care of the administrative work, all the paperwork involved, uh, doing the actual registrations, etc., Uh, and making sure that we as a publishing administrator, for example, collect on the publishing royalties for that songwriter, take care of the accounting, and then pay out that split. But a publisher, a publishing company, they'll do the same thing, but in that process, like after everything is registered, 
that's where they then go to exploiting the works. Maybe they have relationships with different sync firms or relationships with different music supervisors directly, with TV, film, games, background music, and businesses, whatever it is. They're going to try to get that music synced and be able to collect on upfront sync fees for the audio, as well as then collect on performance royalties that are incurred on the back end. So exploiting the works is just going to generate more revenue as opposed to an administrator where we take care of all the registrations, but we're more passive in that we take care of all the dirty work, but we're not going to actively be exploiting the works. That's where a publisher would come into play. So it's kind of like how with, um, with Symphonic's music video distribution, and obviously I know about this because I do it, but um, we distribute the video to all the platforms and people ask like, okay, are you going to market it? Like, well, no, marketing is done through a PR firm. We're not a PR firm. So is it similar to that? Basically, like we take care of getting it on these platforms. Now it's your job to market it, basically. Yeah, I mean, that's that would be a fairly close parallel in terms of hey, we take care of doing the dirty work for you. We create your Vivo channel. We get it uploaded. It's there. Hey, we'll collect on that ad revenue for you too and pay it out to you, etc. But no, we're not going to go out of our way to market the video. That's not part of that deal. That's not part of that arrangement. Um, you would want to go through a PR firm. But uh, keep in mind that on the side, Symphonic does offer licensing submission for its distribution clients. So we can go to bat for you if you're a distribution client uh, to pitch your content to uh, music supervisors that we work with. Mm-hmm. But, um, but just as a pub admin client, we're not going to go out and exploit the works for licensing. That's just a different process entirely. But being with a big publisher, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that because you know a big publisher may have those connections that are just huge in the industry even with symphonic if we're doing the licensing and we have connections with different supervisors with tv but maybe a different publisher such as like a universal or someone huge you know that also acts as a label too um, they have different publishing companies set up and they have the connections to maybe get you into massive movies which that could be the difference between a couple hundred bucks or a couple thousand dollars for a tv sync or 50 grand or more on a movie sync, you know. So everyone should at least be with an administrator, I would say. But if you do end up signing a publishing deal, you know, it's not necessarily evil that they're keeping such a huge percentage. You're still going to get a you're still going to get some kind of a percentage. But uh they are definitely actively going out of their way for exploiting the works. Okay, so if you're registering with a PRO, but then you go with Symphonic as a publishing administrator, then you didn't. You don't have to register with a PRO yourself because Symphonic will do that for you? That's a great question. So really, the two go hand in hand. They don't compete with each other. They go hand in hand. So if you sign up, here's the scenario. If you sign up with an, a PRO first and you have your CAE number, IPI number, which is what the PRO provides you as a songwriter. It's unique. It's almost like a social security number. It's your number, right? So people can take your identity? Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And so once you have that number, uh, you're set up in their system, and you sign up with us, Symphonic Distribution, as a publishing administrator, uh, we'll register those works for you with your PRO and other collection societies. So you'll get your songwriting royalties 
since you're signed up with the PRO, and we'll collect the publishing royalties since we're acting as your administrator. Now, what happens if you're not with a PRO? You just sign up with us as an administrator. Well, what we'll do is by default, we'll at least register the works with BMI and they'll be registered there. We'll collect on the publishing royalties that we can find, but you're still gonna be missing out on your songwriter portion until you register with BMI as a songwriter. Okay, so if you are the songwriter, you should also register as a songwriter and also do the publishing yep. side of it. So you got two sets of royalties right there that you could be missing out on, Yep. basically. Yep, yeah, because if, you, if you're registered with a PRO, and you register your works yourself, you could be missing out on the publishing portion of those performance royalties by not having a publishing company set up in your name. So that's where signing up with a publishing administrator is worth it. It's definitely in your benefit to cover both those bases and uh, be registered with the PRO and work with an administrator for sure. So one one thing I had, because you mentioned like syncing, you mentioned licensing and then we do the publishing like all those terms kind of rolled together and I was getting a little lost there can you just like just go over those terms really quickly yeah so when I refer to sync or licensing it really is the same thing it's synchronization of audio to video or a game or whatever so that's the synchronization aspect that's licensing uh, so to speak licensing could be anything though I mean you can license a song to a compilation album like now that's what I call music or kids bop or something you know that's also licensing I have a couple of those CDs growing up <laughs> I had one but I will never admit it publicly on the internet okay until you know now <laughs> so you know that this podcast is going on the internet what <laughs> yeah and then and then of course the publishing piece is just really the exploiting of the works to get those synchronizations to license the works. Okay. And it's almost kind of tough. It's almost kind of tough to explain this in as much detail as possible in such a short period of time and without visuals too, because mm -hmm. there's just so many pieces to the publishing world. And I think that's part of the reason why so many people are just out of the loop because it's just, it's a totally different side of the industry and it's not a glamorous part of the industry. You know, mm -hmm. it's not, it could be if your song gets put in a movie, you know, like, oh, look what, I got that through my publisher, you know? Yeah, but I don't think anyone really even mentions the publisher, <laughs> no. you know? It's not really, uh, that's not part of being Mr. Rockstar or something like that, you know? it's There's plenty of labels out there that have this allure about them where they've built a massive brand, but in the publishing world, no one follows or cares about the publisher. It's just more just behind the scenes desk work, <laughs> you know? There's nothing glamorous about it or anything. Um, it's but, like on um, the movie The Other Guys, how Will Ferrell's character was the, you know, the desk cop, like he did yeah. all the, the paperwork and stuff, but his job is just as important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So can someone expect a good amount of royalties from this? Well, you'll definitely be able to get all of your royalties that you may be missing. There's that. I mean, there's definitely no guarantee. Just as if you were to, you know, release a single through a distributor and get it up on iTunes and then just sit back and watch the sales. 
uh, they may not ever come because there's marketing and promotion that needs to go behind that release to push it to really make it stand out and generate those sales or streams. So being with a publishing administrator or a publisher or even just registering the works yourself, you know, you're going to cover all of those pieces that maybe you were leaving on the table and kind of forgetting about, but it doesn't mean that there's like a ton of money out there. It all just, it really relates to, you know, have you had content synced with TV, film, games, any of that? If the answer is no, then there's probably not a ton of money out there. And then there's other piece. Okay. Well, a very small percentage of what the DSPs pay out such as like Spotify or iTunes Mm -hmm. outside of the U S they pay these collection societies, a very, very small royalty. So if you have less than a thousand streams around the world on Spotify, there's not a lot of money waiting for you, you know, but if you have had some success with sales or streaming and you've never collected on your publishing royalties or songwriter royalties, you know, there might be a good chunk out there for you. So that was my next question. So like if you've been an artist for a while and you're just now discovering this and um, you realize that your your song has been used, like say, for example, in a like a low budget movie or something that has a lot of views on YouTube or something, can you still register your your works and stuff and then get like that backlog of of royalties? Yeah, actually, yes. This is one of those rare cases where because people do ask a lot about monetization and content ID, SoundCloud monetization, things like that, where they say, hey, is this retroactive? And the answer is always no, it's not retroactive. You only started monetizing your content today. Nothing is retroactive before today. Mm -hmm. But with performance royalties, these collection societies that are collecting the the, uh, royalties, they do hold on to the royalties uh, most of the time up to 18 months. And I've, I've seen in some territories where it could be up to four years. Um, so if you are just now registering your works and seeing what's on the table, yeah, it could be retroactive up to a certain period of time, just depending on what that territory says that society has to hold on to those royalties for. So next question, can I get my music on TV without being with a publishing administrator? Yeah, let's go with yes, technically you can, but really ideally Uh, You really want to have your works registered before you seek any kind of licensing opportunities because everything should be not just registered with your PRO, but even go as far as copywriting the works with the uh, copyright office too, you know, which would be with the government because you can take that that copyright ID number and uh, link it up with the registered work too. So then that way everything is secure as possible. So what is the what is the exact step-by-step process that you should do? Like say say I'm an artist, all right? Say I just wrote a song and I just recorded a song. Was the song about cats? Yeah, it would definitely be about cats. Cats yes. and Sailor Moon, like yes. those two together. <laughs> so the first step would you say would be to register it with a PRO? Would that be the first step or what would you suggest would be the process? So I would say in, in the perfect world, uh, if you want to follow the steps to the T, you know, make sure you're registered with the PRO as a songwriter. Say you've created your song and then you go to distribute it. Uh, in a perfect world, copyright it with the copyright office, distribute it, promote it, do your thing. 
Uh, and then after it's distributed, because then you'll have your UPC, your ISRC, your catalog number, et cetera, et cetera, release date, track length, all that. Then you can register the work uh, with your PRO directly. Or in Symphonic's case, if you distribute through Symphonic, you can hop over to the publishing administration portal and say, hey, this release that I just distributed with you guys, I want to register the work as well. You put in a couple extra little lines of metadata that take maybe 30 seconds, and then we'll take care of the actual registration. Sounds simple That's enough. It yeah. is. It really is pretty simple. It's just overlooked a lot mm-hmm. of the times, you know. Do you have any other suggestions that you'd give to any artist not currently involved in the field of publishing? You know, I would recommend uh, just educating yourself, even though it may be kind of a dry subject. There's no reason you can't educate yourself on what the publishing aspect of the music industry entails. And there's a lot of great books out there, such as Everything You Need to Know About the Music Business, Edition 9 or something like that. Uh, that covers a lot of that aspect. I'm sure that's like 900 pages too, right? <laughs> it is like 500 pages, mm-hmm. which isn't that crazy. I mean, when I was 13, I read a 1,400-page book on HTML. Oh, so. snore. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but I would say if you're an artist – even if you don't really care about the business side of the industry, you want to have other people on your team take care of the business end, at least familiarize yourself with the terminology and what it really entails. Even on Symphonic's website, we have some pretty cool publishing guides that you can read through pretty quick, and that'll catch you up to speed too. And they're just some easy-to-read, fun stuff that maybe fun, is fun quote, to me. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's fun to me, maybe it's not fun to you, but you know, hey, it's it's important. It's important. Yeah. yeah. Do they have a publishing administration for dummies edition? You know, maybe, but honestly, <laughs> the uh that everything you need to know about the music business book that I'm talking about, uh I forget who the author is. I feel like crap for not remembering who the author is. In fact, pause. <laughs> Let's Let's pull it up on our phones. Everything you need to know about the music business, 10th edition. Sorry, I couldn't find business 10th edition in your music. You son of a bitch. (laughs) It's trying to find the song. (laughs) My Siri is broken. (laughs) I'm convinced my Siri is broken. Should just keep on. Anywho, it's uh, All You Need to Know About the Music Business by Donald S. Passman. Yeah, that book in particular is super legit because it covers everything. And he's a he's a music attorney who's been dealing with music and, and that aspect of law his whole life. So he's seeing that angle of the industry that uh, he's dealt with all this time. So he it's not a dry book, even though it is long. Um, and if you remember those books in like elementary school where you would read five pages and then it'd be like, choose your fate, go to this oh, page. Oh, uh, R.L. Stein. Like they had readers beware, you choose the scare. Yeah, stuff <laughs> like that. So he writes the book in that fashion where he, you read the chapter and then he's like, hey, if you're more interested on this topic, just keep reading. If you're more interested in this topic, you know, skip ahead of this chapter. And he kind of lets you pick and choose your adventure through the book in a way. <laughs> uh, so that way, if maybe a certain section is kind of dry, 
and you don't really care about it, you can just skip ahead to another particular section where you can pick up a different piece. So it just makes you think cool. of Bilbo Baggins, like, I'm going on an adventure, <laughs> like reading music industry. Listen, there's no Lord of the Rings <laughs> references in this podcast, Vanessa, okay? You are not the just, boss of me. Just cats. <laughs> just cats. Cats, yes. <laughs> are you playing on your phone? No. On my podcast? No, Vanessa, I'm not playing on my phone. But I do have a surprise for you. Okay. <laughs> We should Why, just have you. we should just have this on repeat in the background while we continue the rest of this podcast. <laughs> the audio is spiking. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Vanessa, he's so cute. He's very cute. All right, so I know we went on a lot of different tangents there, but is there anything else you'd like to discuss about publishing that I may not have brought up that I may not have known to bring up? No, really. Uh, I think we covered a lot and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of tough talking about the publishing piece, especially in an ed- educational fashion because it can come off as super dry and there's so many facets to it. And again, that, that, uh, that all you need to know about the music business book by Donald S. Passman. <laughs> you really like, you think like they're a sponsor or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey. I am going to tweet you, Donald. I am going to tweet you about this podcast, and I'm I'm hoping I could get a signed copy. I do actually have two copies of the book, one that got uh, wet in the rain, so I got how a second you. copy. So that's so the, how important it is. The wet copies for your cat to read? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they, <laughs> they don't get the fancy dry copy, but it would be cool to have a signed copy, Donald. Don't, don't, don't push Mr. Passman. <laughs> don't push your luck, Patrick. Come on. <laughs> Using our podcast <laughs> to try to get free stuff. I see how you are. Yeah. All right. So I appreciate you being on, Patrick. Uh, I ask every guest this. Uh, what are you currently listening to? Currently listening to? I would say, wow, that really affects the acoustics. Yeah. Wow. So why are you playing with that? Wow. that's re- I can physically hear it bouncing right back at me. Mm-hmm. As opposed to it being like this, and it deadens the sound. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. RLX, you have created a phenomenal product that we could definitely use more of. I'm not adding this. <laughs> this is not going to be in the podcast. Come on. <laughs> I would say I'm listening to uh, more EDM than I would be willing to admit. <laughs> There's a really cool Indietronic playlist on Spotify that I've been a big fan of. Symphonic Distribution has a pretty cool uh, New Music Friday playlist that's constantly being updated with uh, Symphonic Clients music. So that's pretty cool to keep your ear to the ground, hear some indie stuff. Symphonic created my own Patrick's playlist, which has uh, a bunch of uh, hip hop, electronic music, some deep house, dubstep, um, and, uh, and some throwback like breakbeat and trance songs as well. And uh, every week that playlist is getting updated by myself with uh, other indie music that I really dig that's distributed by Symphonic as well. So lots of cool stuff I'm listening to. I only listen to the coolest, Vanessa. <laughs> Who's your favorite artist? Favorite artist? I mean, there's a lot. Diplo. I would <laughs> Diplo. <laughs> Diplo is a big inspiration to me, honestly. Mostly not just what he's done in the industry, but... uh 
himself as a businessman too. I think that's really inspiring. Uh, looking him up with, uh, I believe it's ASCAP that he's registered with as a songwriter. Uh, he goes, you know, his legal name is Wesley Pence and he has almost 470 works registered, which is crazy to think, but kind of makes sense because of his involvement in the music industry over the past, what, maybe 10, 15 or even plus years, but not just as Diplo, but as being a songwriter and member of Major Lazer with Skrillex's Jack U and all of the songwriting that he does with other major pop artists too. But it is cool. It is kind of fun in, in a nerdy sense. And yes, I am nerdy. Uh, I think we had that figured <laughs> out, Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is kind of cool to look at random artists that I like and then look them up with ASCAP or CSAC or BMI, look up that artist and see what they've been involved in over the years. Even someone like Bruno Mars, you know, he's going to be involved in hundreds of works, even though he may not have put out hundreds of songs under his own name, he was involved as a songwriter. So it's pretty cool to see that aspect of things. And now we're back to the beginning. Oh yeah? Because <laughs> you mentioned Bruno Mars at the beginning. Oh man, full circle. <laughs> So that wraps up our interview. Um, upcoming events for Symphonic Distribution. We have Vibes of the Bay on August 19th. Uh, we mentioned that previously, but now we actually do have the artist list release. So check out Vibes of the Bay presented by Symphonic Distribution on Facebook to see that entire list. Uh, we also have a Vibes of the Bay playlist on Spotify for you guys to check out and listen to. And that's about it. So thanks again, Patrick, for being on. I appreciate the uh, the lovely banter we've had. <laughs> and I also appreciate all the uh, the information you've given. I'm sure the listeners do as well. Yeah, normally I charge $1,000 per 30-minute block. So this is a great value. This is I a really great value. Definitely appreciate the, the discount you've given us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. So thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.